God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was was in the beginning, is is now, now, and and will be forever. forever. Amen. Amen. This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to Episode 73 of the Catholic Foodie, The Divine Office. Welcome, folks. Welcome to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm so glad that you're here. I have a very exciting show today. Uh, got an interview. I've got some folks I invited to come on the show the other day. Some fine folks who are involved in a fantastic ministry. This episode is called The Divine Office. The Divine Office, you probably have heard me talk about before here on the show, is the Liturgy of the Hours, the official prayer of the Church, the ancient prayer of the Church. And uh, these fine folks are involved in a ministry that is promoting that prayer, and I am just so happy to, uh, to bring that to you today. So stick around. The Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. Well, I, I have to tell you, I'm just, I did. I had a ball. Uh, a fine group of people that I talked to the other day. Uh, this is divineoffice.org. That is their uh, website, divineoffice.org. And I don't even know what to, uh, how, how to start. I mean, we, we had a great time in the interview, and I, I have it here to share with you. I'm, I'm very excited about that. Uh, and I, I really don't want to say too much because it was such a good conversation that I kept the whole thing basically intact. I took out a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, what do you call those, bloopers? <laughs> took out a couple of, believe it or not, we have bloopers here on the Catholic Foodie. I know you probably don't believe that, but it's true. We do have bloopers, so I took a few of those out. And other than that, I left this, um, uh, this, this conversation intact. And it was the first time that I've done an interview with four yeah, five total, right? Four on their end and then myself. Five people having a conversation on the phone. Can you imagine? So, it, yeah, I, was, I had to kind of get used to that at first. I was a little nervous, like, man, how do I, how do, I do this? How, how do we actually do the, the, have this conversation without talking over each other? But I'm telling you, I was so happy. It turned out so, so good. So, and I know for those of you who are grammarians out there, it should be, it turned out well. <laughs> but uh, it, 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 it was just a joy. So I'm so happy to bring that to you today. I will be playing that for you momentarily. I want to talk about a little feedback first. We did get some feedback uh, since last episode. And let me pull that up here. First off, I got an email. I received an email from uh, Bill O'Neill. And uh, Bill apparently had listened to last episode, like right after I had uh, recorded it, maybe even while we were uh, broadcasting on Ustream. And this is what he had to say. You know, we talked about organic farming just a little bit last episode, and of course, grilling, which we're going to talk more about grilling today. I want to talk about spatchcocking chicken, and also uh, we'll get into the leapfrog chicken a little bit. But the bulk of the show is going to be this wonderful conversation that I had with the fine groups, uh, the fine folks over at uh, divineoffice.org. Uh, but I will, I will talk a, a little bit about spatchcocking and leapfrog chicken. Anyway, uh, I asked for tips. I said, hey, if you have any grilling tips since we're getting into the grilling season, summer, let me know. 
And uh, this is what uh, Bill had to say. He says, heard your taping today. Nice stuff. We love our local farmers and uh, fresh produce. And you asked about summer grilling. Our favorite is pizza. We have one of those stones from uh, Chef's Catalog for the grill. Mm-mm. Crunchy on the bottom, chewy on top. No burned cheese either. It's too hot in Georgia to cook pizza inside anyway. So that's from the O'Neill family. Thank you so much, Bill. I appreciate that. And I know what you mean. You know, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why we like to grill in the summertime is when you crank that oven up inside, it generates heat. And yeah, you know, you may have air conditioning like we have to have down here in Louisiana, but still, what happens? Your kitchen gets hot. It can spread throughout the house. I know our kitchen, it gets hot, stays hot for a while, even after we turn off the, uh, turn off the, um, uh, the oven. So grilling is a great thing for the summer. I received another, uh, we got, I actually received a phone call and here we have a message from none other than Sarah Reinhardt. And of course, we're going to hear from her a little bit later with the Mary in the Kitchen segment, but I want to go ahead and play this, uh, this feedback we got from her right now. Hi, Jeff. Sarah Reinhardt here. And I know I already talk a lot on your show, but I appreciate you letting me call in. And I just wanted to let all of your listeners know about a great giveaway that's going on right now at CatholicsMom.com. It's the May Mary giveaway. And a lot of people remember about Mary. Sorry. Those are my kids. My kids are so excited about this giveaway. Listen, they're shouting in the background. So anyway... You go to CatholicMom.com, you scroll down, and you'll see a little heading that says Contest, and you'll see the May Mary giveaway there all month. Um, And I know May is the month of Mary, and it's all month long, right up until the 31st. So we are having this giveaway all month long. We have rosaries. We have some of the best books on Mary that are out there under current authors. We have jewelry, which if you haven't already bought some of this jewelry for your wife, whoever you are out there, and yes, Jeff, I'm talking to you. You should. This jewelry is so phenomenal. And we also even have, I'm so excited about this, Tupperware! Okay, you're a foodie. you got to appreciate that with me. Right? Come on, say you do. And for everybody who goes over there, there is a link, special link, and you mentioned CatholicMom.com, place a Tupperware order, following the instructions we give on that contest post, and you get half off your shipping, which, hey... This spring a time for cleaning and organizing and, you know, celebrating all things Mary? It is. So get over to CatholicMom.com and enter our wonderful giveaway. Thanks so much, Jeff. Keep up the great work on your podcast. God bless. Thank you, Sarah. Wow. That was, uh, that's, isn't that great? We have Sarah on the show with her Mary in the Kitchen segment, which I just love. I'm so appreciative uh, of, of, of the work that Sarah's doing there, and and just that she's part of what we're doing here at the Catholic Foodie, I'm very excited about that. Uh, it, but it was just a treat to have her call in here. So go over to CatholicMom.com and check out that contest. Uh, excellent stuff, and of course, lots of great stuff over at SnoringScholar.com, which is uh, Sarah's own blog. So you need to go check that out. Matter of fact, I'll tell you a secret. I haven't told anybody else this yet. Well, not really, except for my close friends on Twitter and Facebook, but uh, I actually have a guest post up over at snoringscholar.com. 
Sarah asked me a few weeks ago to uh, to write something about Mary, and since it's the month of May, and uh, I, I put my thinking cap on, I put my hands together and folded them in, in prayer, and uh, came up with a topic that I thought was uh, would be relevant and, and beneficial to other people. And it's also something dear to my heart, especially in the month of May. And uh, I, I just sent that over to her yesterday. She posted it today, and so I have a guest post over there. It's called Make Me a May Crown. Uh, so you may want to go over to snoringscholar.com and check that out. Oh, and if you do, uh, please leave a comment there on that post. I'd love to get your thoughts on what I have to say. And uh, and, and who knows? You know, we can have a little conversation about uh, about uh, Mary right there at snoringscholar.com. So leave a comment. I'll look forward to it. Now, we're about to get into this delightful conversation that I had the other night. And uh, I, I'm, I'm, once again, I don't want to say too much about the content of it. Just it's about the Liturgy of the Hours, which is the official prayer of the church. It is an ancient prayer in the church. And it is, it is prayer that is organized by time. So you have, uh, and of course, the monks live the full, I guess what you'd say, the, all of the canonical hours, they call them, which, I mean, and, and for us, for most of us, lay people, that would just be, you know, morning, noon, evening, and night, uh, but they also have other uh, hours that, the, you know, monks would have other hours that they uh, observe as well, and of course, clergy also observe what's called the office of readings, which isn't really set at any particular hour uh, although it's commonly uh, prayed as at the as as the first hour of the day, so anyway, lots of uh, I, I love the liturgy of the hours. I just love that prayer, and I've talked about it before. And so I want to just let this conversation speak for itself. And if you ever have any questions, if you do have questions after you hear the the uh, this this conversation, please uh, give me a call at nine eight five six three five four nine seven four. Or send me an email at uh, at catholicfoodie at gmail.com. I would love to hear your feedback on this. Now, I also have to give you a heads up. Heads up is that I'm announcing a new contest here at the Catholic Foodie as well. Very, very easy to enter. All you have to do is leave a comment. I'll tell you more about it after the interview. And I'll tell you also that the prize, what you could win does have something to do with the Liturgy of the Hours and uh, the, the good folks over at divineoffice.org, okay? So it does have something to do with this, and uh, just sit back and enjoy this conversation. Well, folks, I am so excited uh, to, to be able to bring this to you today. We are blessed to have the crew of the Divine Office, the Divine Office uh, podcast and and iPhone app and uh, the website divineoffice.org. We have these folks with us today on the show. I am so excited. Uh, we have the producer, Dane Faulkner. We also have Chris Scherer, Greg Pedrosa, and Denise Winters. So, welcome, folks. Hi. Hi I'm glad to be Hi, here. Hi, Jeff. Uh, it may be appropriate since we're just starting out and, and bringing you guys on if. Y'all could say uh, just a couple of words about yourselves as a self-introduction. Uh, Dane, why don't we start with you? Okay, uh, Jeff. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to tell you that you are, um, you're associated with SQPN, and I think that they are 
Well, Father Roderick and everything that is started by that organization has been the real, they have been blazing the way for new media and especially Catholic new media. And I couldn't say enough good things. So I will just simply uh, say I'm I, I'm proud of that organization. I'm proud of that, that you are associated with them. Uh, as far as me, I am uh, I am the producer of Divine Office, and all that means is you people think that it's a skill, but it's I'm technical. I have I'm the CEO of a company called SurgeWorks, and we are can be found at surgeworks.com. We're roughly um, uh, between 40 and 50 people, but we're around the world. And it only allows, um, it allows me to pursue my passion and my obligation, my divine office, and provide the technology support behind this really great ministry. So that's who I am. Um, maybe I could hand it off now to Chris Scherer. Okay, I'm one of the voices that you hear on Liturgy of the Hours. I'm uh, uh, the CEO of the Make-A-Wish Foundation in Utah here in, in Salt Lake. That's what I do in the day. And all of us know each other from St. Vincent de Paul Parish in Salt Lake City. That's how we first intersected with each other. And in the parish, I work in the catechumenate and minister of the Word and so on. Um, that's what I do. Greg. Um, I was on staff. <laughs> I was on staff at the parish that um, that they, all these people who go to St. Vincent de Paul in in uh, Holiday, Utah, and uh, my background. <clears throat> excuse me. I have been involved in some sort of parish ministry for for over thirty years. I have a graduate degree in theology from the University of San Francisco, and currently I teach a, a couple of different uh, humanities courses at the local community college. And Greg is a very gifted teacher, wonderful teacher. He's, our, he's really, um, it, and I have to add that I went through, I am a convert. Actually, I've always been Catholic. I didn't know it until I was in my 30s. And I joined, I joined the, the, this, the body of the Catholic faith officially, and that over there would be my son, if you've heard him. <laughs> um, but uh, it was actually through Greg led the RCIA process, and um, and that's how I entered officially into the Catholic faith. Wow, that's great! Yeah, that was years ago, and since then, you know, I've uh, he brought me along, and now this has been my journey. Thank so, Denise, to, to Denise. And I'm a physical therapist by day and a mom of two teenagers and uh, was participated in a number of the adult education or offerings at St. Vincent's that Greg was leading. And he invited me to try this new form of um, of trying to reach out to people and, and sharing together. And that's how I got started with it. Yeah, because in the beginning, we weren't literate to the hours. We weren't divine office. We were Catholic classes, exactly the way I experienced Greg in the beginning was, it's not classes like you stand up and just teach, but it's rather entry into this, um, the culture, the understanding, the what it means to be in this body. But I don't remember that we stuck with the Catholic classes materials for very long. We did it for I about remember, a 
Was it a whole year? We had done a whole year of Catholic classes before you guys came in to do the next section when we started to do a whole other series on the American Catechism. And then I asked you guys to come oh, and, that's and right. work now with us. None of us really now. remember how this got started. I remember it's about the catechism. And, I kept, and Dane kept wanting to have a more ongoing um, podcast. And I was working really hard to try to create content. And it was taking a lot of time. And I kept saying... We should do the Liturgy of the Hours. I think it'd be really cool if we did something other than the Liturgy of the Hours. And, and, and we're, I'm saying, um, sure, sure. Uh, what is that? Whatever, <laughs> what are for, you talking about? For months. And then we <laughs> okay, finally, finally started we're that. out of material. And Greg, you know, you don't have that much time to continue to create uh, what we needed to. And it was, we were moving along. We had already brought people along this whole... We had some listeners. Yeah. And then we started to do... So we decided we would start to do a... a under the guise of Catholic classes, so our intention was to teach, uh, we would record some small part of the Liturgy of the Hours as a way to teach, to teach people through the... How to pray the Liturgy of the Hours. It's how-tos. It's sort it of the mechanics. Very much the mechanics. Where to move the ribbons to and how to, what are the responses and was very much started out there. And we were only going to do... I think when we start with Fridays, or we started with some small. I, think, I, one I do day believe a week. we did it in Lent, and so we thought the right thing we to did do Fridays was, in Lent, and then Sundays in Easter. Yeah, Friday morning prayer, Fridays of Lent, and then morning prayer. I, I'm not sure if we did evening morning prayer. prayer. Was evening prayer during uh, Easter, I think. Was it, yep, or was yep. it office of readings? Nope. Uh, As yeah. you can tell, we can't even remember the year <laughs> it was we started back. doing this. The <laughs> way back clock, which is not that far ago, is maybe four years ago. <laughs> Yeah, but it wasn't like a. You didn't have a master plan, did you? Oh no, it's more. No. We're. I was a technologist. God you did, know? but we didn't. <laughs> I was uh, fairly um, as a Catholic with a few years under my belt. I was involved in the RCIA program because Greg was leading it and responsible, and he was. Um, he took me through it, so I was more like um, you know. I had a. I had a, a tool. <laughs> <laughs> that I wanted to exercise, you know. I had no idea that God's plan was all about. It, he put us in the right place, shaped us into the, you know, the right, uh, you know, gave us the right group around us and gently led us without exposing the full truth of what we we're about to embark. <laughs> it was a still whisper in the beginning and just an urge, but it became... Wow. And as we've said many times, if we had known at the beginning that this was going to be years of work, we may not have undertaken it. It would have and, seemed overwhelming. It would have yeah, been too much. It would have been, yeah, it would have seemed impossible. Had we said to our spouses and households, okay, now we'll be gone this much time <laughs> to record these prayers. <laughs> but, you know, how many times have I said to you guys, though, now that I understand the whole flow and mechanics and the, um, the connectivity of these books— they're not the books, they're the prayer, but the books were are always the difficult thing. And in the beginning, I said, what is Liturgy of the Hours? Now, I've put things together. But I, if, the, if I had known, first of all, I would have run for the exit. But if I had run for the exit, I would have just started at page one. And I would have 
we would have all together gone through four volumes because it would have been shorter than the route we actually took. Yeah, but we, the route we, we wandered took, around the desert for yeah, we 40, wandered in the desert for at least months. forty years, <laughs> forty months. Denise, talk about praying the liturgy, the hours, and the ribbons, and oh yes. Um, so I had a Christian prayer book many, many, many years ago that had been given to me as a gift, and I tried to pray it. Um, but I I got lost in moving from one section to the other and trying to set the ribbons up, and and I lost that connection with the prayerfulness of it, and um, and you know and and gave it up basically. I, I or, or never really developed the developed it as a habit. Yeah, as a good That's habit of gotta prayer. Be typical. That's got to be really common. Yeah. Well, we hear it in people who write into us uh, on our our comment. Page. We hear people over and over again saying, you know, I tried to pray the office, but I just couldn't figure out the ribbons and the books and where I was, and and it was too unwieldy, and I just gave it up. Yeah. And, and hearing hearing from those people over the years is what which is what, what it has directed us. Those voices have said to us, "Well, where is?" Evening prayer. <laughs> I was used to evening prayer during Advent. Now you don't have it. Where is it? And so then we thought, well, I guess we have to do evening prayer for ordinary time now. And 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 the more we did, the more people wanted. And uh-huh. and that really was what happened. Is that you know? I mean, same same thing, right? We weren't. We didn't know what we where we were going. It was a quiet whisper from wherever it came from. Some urge. You know, it was directed. But we did know that we wanted to use this available technology to reach out to a broader audience, to people, to Catholics, to non-Catholics who who either had never experienced this form of prayer or who, like me, had tried and, you know, without a supportive community, couldn't, couldn't it continue it. Yeah. And we very much set out, uh, my intention was to, to teach. I kept saying to Dane, okay, this isn't liturgy. We can't re- present this as liturgy because this isn't liturgy. And but in I'm my ignorance, presenting. I said, hey, it's content. <laughs> That's all he cared. It was and content. And then we found that people weren't just learning from it. They, they were, were praying. doing it. They were praying. And they, and they were experiencing community with us. Mm-hmm. And with each other. I mean, it has developed. It has turned into a, a prayer community. Talk about the the app uh, Oh, well, um, this was controversial in the beginning, but uh, uh, Dane created this sort of globe where if you have the iPhone app and maybe the iPad, I don't know, um, there's this globe that comes up and there's a little light for everyone that is at that particular moment tuned in and praying with you. So you can look at this little globe and you can say, ah, there's somebody in New York, there's somebody in Japan, there's somebody in Africa. Some buddies, because there are lots of little lights. Yeah, Yeah. some buddies, yeah, um, are praying with me right now. So the Liturgy of the Hours is meant to be prayed in community. It's why Greg said, you know, this is not, we can teach it, but we can't say we're doing it. It's not liturgical. It's not prayer and ritual and community. Uh, But to some extent, then, you began to develop the, the sense that, oh, I'm not praying this alone. I'm praying this with all these people I can see on this globe. And um, th- the underlying requirement, really, of the hours is that we pray it together, and somehow through this application, although in a whole new way we can. So if St. Paul says we're, we're meant to pray without ceasing, um, the way we're doing that is different in this age, and yet 
um, and yet it fits our lifestyles. Uh, Do you remember what people, you know, I, at this point, I was starting to understand the Liturgy of the Hours and the importance of praying in community. And at this point is when, that's when I actually thought that was an important piece to connect anyone who was praying with us to let them know that they were not, you know, conceptually, we knew we were not praying alone because we know this is the prayer of the Catholic Church. It's also the prayer of the Anglicans, and it's a prayer of other churches. But at this point is when I was starting to understand that and devised this idea, okay, we have the technology to do it, let's let others know who is praying at the same time in prayer. And I let it slip to our community, not as like a slip, but as a, um, you know, we're going to do this. And we had a lot of people saying, you know, that digital organ loft that you're trying to create (laughs) in this virtual world is, is somehow, I... I, I, they, they thought it was theatrics. It was they, a lot of things. And they it thought it was prideful that we were taking prideful. pride prideful in is the word, right. that we're taking pride in the number of people who are using our app. Um, yeah, I thought which it was so funny. Sort of surprising to me because I didn't experience. Well, I guess maybe I did. I, I was proud of that. Yeah. I was excited about that. Yeah. yeah. And then it just simply, when it, what I guaranteed that it would have nothing to do with the prayer itself. When you enter prayer, you're not going to see all these sort of things. And and so here came the iPhone app, the iPod Touch iPhone app called Divine Office. And it all of a sudden showed up with this feature. And I was so thrilled that actually before I prayed the office, uh, I would, I could, I'd say, well, I wonder how many, who's praying with me? And I'd <laughs> click on the little button and I'd say, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, only ten people. So that's strange because I think these iPhone apps have been selling. You know, and it's actually only people who will like to uh, show their position and uh, reveal it. We don't. It's not mandatory. And I think people were hesitant in the beginning, but still, okay, I'm with them, and I and we would pray. Now to, I was so happy when it gets up to ninety, and now we're. At 250 and sometimes I just sometimes I just turn it on to just who's in prayer because I just sort of and those uh, are just the numbers of people who show they're the only people they're only iPhone users who elect to show their position at that time at that time in reality people uh, downloading in reality 20,000 people I have seen as far many as I think I've seen as high as 560 people at any moment praying but the norm because we're in, we are way at the tail end of the time schedules. In the U.S. here, we're in mountain, the mountain time zone. We're at the very end. And so we tend to see at 190 to 200 people, iPhone users who elect to show their position. But in fact, there are 20,000 downloads per day. And if you do the math, how many, and we don't pray when we're asleep so much, um, you know, I, it's just huge. I, I don't. I haven't done the math, but I know that the numbers are very high. And then you've got to ignore what we've developed and just realize that people in community are praying the same thing. There, there are people 
there are priests and cloistered and clergy and yeah, they this are, is the prayer of the church. The, entire, the, the church is praying this prayer all over, and then we're are, we're adding some people to it who wouldn't have people without had an access or and without an iPhone and without a web are praying exactly the same thing at the same time we are. We're thrilled with people who uh, participate in our online community and say things like, I'm blind, I can't use the books, but I'm praying with you. Or people who say, I'm, I'm in the missionary field and I'm missing my community that I typically pray the hours with, and I'm, so I'm praying with you. Or um, directors of seminarians in, in several dioceses who are using it to teach seminarians how to pray the hours. So um, all of those applications. Uh, religious communities that are using them yeah. like in their care facilities where the, oh, yeah. the the sisters or the brothers are in an infirmary and can't come down to yeah. prayer but have computer access or they have ways to, um, to direct yeah. that to them. I know that there are people doing that too. So we dreamed that, that you know, the community experiencing the liturgy of the hours would be expanded, but I don't think we actually we could believe it. I, I was, how, how I was, it could uh, really happen. One of little faith. I, <laughs> I didn't honestly think anybody would download this. Yeah, why would people, oh, yeah. Why would people do this prayer <laughs> thing? That's actually the funniest joke ever, because Chris was just a dear heart and said, who's going to listen to this but your mother? <laughs> <laughs> and I now, re- I now respond to her and say, you know what, my mother didn't even join until about eight, eight or nine months ago. <laughs> <laughs> but it's wonderful when somebody sends you a little email and say, you know, I, I commute in Los Angeles and I just turn on my, uh, I plug in my iPod and I pray in the commute. And it's well, I think different. that's the other important aspect of it. So there was the community aspect that um, exceeded our expectations. And then also, you know, the answer to the call to pray always, to have prayer with you as part of your day, not as a separate, isolated Time. Not that there's anything wrong with just that, but but if it's isolated and doesn't come with you into your day, then you know the impact isn't as real as it needs to be, right? So for me, that's been the power: is that I can listen as I'm commuting, I can listen as I'm exercising, um, I can listen as I'm doing the dishes. A lot of times, I do evening prayer um, uh, when I'm washing the dishes at night. Oh, wow. You know. Nice. So um, I, I think that's been an also, a, you know, an answer to the actual, you know, mission of that, that stated at the beginning of the Liturgy of the Hours, you know, which is to pray always. And, you know, it's to all people. The uh, Our mission was always to, it's not just to pray always, but let everyone pray anywhere. And we didn't have this mission formally in our minds in the beginning. We just kind of realized that, you know, we have an opportunity here to take it. And I didn't quite get grasp it. Um, Greg brought it to us. And I, and then it was somewhere early on that we said, you know what? We can now reach to people who had never been exposed to this, to, to this liturgy. And we can bring it to them in places they had never anticipated. And non-Catholics, too. It, yeah. it became this—we um, realized the, uh, how ecumenical this prayer form was, and, and our listeners have proven that. We have Baptists and all kinds of different people who join us in this prayer, and it's easy. It's, it's easy for them to join in. So I'm really 
honored and thrilled to hear that there's a victor of a parish, um, a rector of a parish. There's a bishop here. There's bishops there, and there are many. But I am totally thrilled. You know, Anglicans are so much like us already that um, they're so much a part of our community already in many, many forms. But it's when I hear about, uh, you know, there's there's a Baptist that said, I didn't know about this this particular form of prayer, and it has enriched my relationship with God. And, oh my gosh, you know, so suddenly I realized that we are really becoming the real body of Christ through this these prayers. This is not a this is not a political form. This is not it cuts across everything. We've realized a new dimension of Catholic uh, sort of sometimes we say lowercase C, but in some senses I want to say, well no, actually it's the the uppercase C. Yeah. yeah. It's we haven't talked about what is the Liturgy of the Hours. We've, we've gone so deep into this and not said, so what is it? It's a prayer form that marks um, dawn, mid-morning, noon, mid-afternoon, evening, night, that marks all the meridians of the day with prayer that is a combination of Scripture, both Old and New Testament Scripture, but it's built around the Psalms. The Psalms are really the heart of every hour of the liturgy of, of the hours. And if you pray all the hours every day, which very few people do, unless we're cloistered monks or some such thing, you will hit um, uh, all of the Psalms within what time frame, Greg? Within four a, weeks. Yeah. I think you have to go four weeks to get the... To hit all of the Psalms. But... Um, scripture, psalms, prayers, intercessions, um, many forms of prayer, uh, following the themes of the season, the liturgical season, uh, working their way through both, uh, through all this, the central pieces of the Old and New Testament, um, uh, the liturgy of the hours touches on all those things as it goes. What so there are, yeah, psalms. Usually the major hours, morning prayer and evening or evening prayer, have three, well, basically two psalms and a canticle, and then a short reading, and then um, the the a canticle that happens that's repeated in the morning and another one that's repeated, repeated in the evening, and then some intercessory prayer that everyone joins in so that we're all praying the same the same intercessions. So that's the, the nuts and bolts of, of what the prayer, I guess the structure of the prayer is. You know, I had um, I had shared uh, on the show a number of times my my history, my past, where uh, you know I, I came across the liturgy of the hours when I was a teenager and started to pray then, and I was uh, working, kind of volunteering with Mother Teresa's nuns, uh, the missionaries of charity in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I went from there to actually joining the uh, the priests, Mother Teresa's priests. So I. I started praying uh, the the office daily way back when. I think I was eighteen, and uh, just had a, a re- developed a real love for it because it is very meditative. It's it's uh, the pace with which you you pray these prayers and read the psalms and and, and the the readings. It, it it it's calming. It's peaceful. It's meditative. And uh, you know when I when I left the seminary when I returned home. Uh, you, you kind of, I kind of fell out of t- 
tune with that mainly because there was no supportive community. There was nobody there with me praying. So I can really, from that standpoint, appreciate what you guys are doing. It's incredible. And I want uh, our, my listeners, I want our listeners to know how expansive this thing is as far as where this ministry, your ministry, can actually touch their lives because you've got, you've, you've got the, the, the Liturgy of the Hours online. You've got it where they can carry it in their pockets or purse with a, an iPhone app. You also uh, have it as a podcast where it could be on your iPod Touch or your iPod or whatever. Uh, and a, is it on the iPad yet? I don't know. Yeah, the soon uh, iPhone. <laughs> coming soon. Yeah, coming soon. Actually, the I, the iPhone. Yeah, we re- we rolled out a release of the. Um, we upgraded our iPhone app to be compatible with the iPad. It's just it's not beautiful. It's the same thing, but it looks just twice as large. But it works perfectly. It um, it it does it does download the audio. It has the text. It's it's quite nice. But we realized this was a new opportunity, so we have another app that will roll out same content, but a different presentation, and and um, we're trying to make it work in a way that will support that's easier for people to get, and yet we'll still continue to support our ministry because these apps are you you can re, you can get the same content uh, for free, and it will always be for free. On our website and on our podcasts, those they will always remain in place. But the iPhone app and um, the soon-to-be iPad app is just—it's a way—it's a conven—it's more of a convenience app that will support our ministry by a donation. And I'll tell you, if if people can't afford it, we have, in fact, uh, we've made it a standard that priests, clergy, cloistered, um, any faith tradition. You know, it, you know, we know that we know the sacrifices, so just request it, and we give them free codes. But we run out of free codes um, all the time. But it's um, yeah. Well, one of the ahead. things Dane has just said about the iPad is the difference is is you're going to be able to turn a page on the iPad. You it's going to feel like scroll down. You won't have to learn learn around. You just you're going to it's going to look like a page is turning. You're going to turn it with your finger. So we'll be back in some senses. We'll be back to the book. But you won't have the moving the around of the ribbons. <laughs> It'll just, you'll turn the page and you'll be to where you need to and be. And you have live music. And, and you have voice. Mu- and you have that sense of community yes, yeah. in a, that you yeah. experience a little differently and we plan than to, when you're just looking uh, at the book. The book we plan to place a little bit of religious art. Oh, that's right. Too, and visuals. so it'll look like a beautifully decorated Bible. So it'll have the, the, script, the digital scriptorium. Yeah. yeah. So it'll look like a beautiful Bible, the best of the best, right? Uh, that a book can handle. That a book can provide without the pain that a book provides. <laughs> <laughs> and the expense and the unwieldiness of toting around those four volumes of things. I like those books. I like the way they feel, and I like carrying them around. <laughs> Actually, I pray in my book, not audio. I do too. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, I think it's funny that we, I, I think a community that really enjoys this are deacons. Yep. Seminarians. Um, Priests who seminarians. are trying to pray the, who are ob- obliged to pray the Liturgy of the Hours. We hear from them all the time that this has been a godsend 
spending to have them voices to help them fit and to help them fit it in their day. Yeah, and just the convenience of it. But deacons, especially, are also required to do morning and evening prayer, and who you know find it really hard. What are they fifteen to? Nineteen minutes, typically. Yeah, yeah. You um, can skip the over the music. Of the hour, I guess. Or the office of readings tends to be twenty to twenty-five minutes because the readings and everything are Everything else is is about seventeen or eighteen minutes. But we have people who you know pray along using their books. We have people who just listen. We have one person who says he has his prayer chair, which is a recliner, and he kicks back in it, puts in his earphones, and we have people uh, who invite the neighbors over and they and they pray it together. They listen to it and say the responses together. Now, isn't that wonderful? A that's community within a community. Now, there's yes. real liturgy. Yeah, yeah, that's liturgy. <laughs> well, I oftentimes pray it on my bicycle. <laughs> Ah, yeah, there you go. Just don't close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> don't reflect too deeply. It's challenging because I, I, you know, my favorite way is to, to pray quietly and sit in a chair and, you know, just be able to close my eyes and, and to be present to God since he's always present to me. And the challenge is for me to remember that. Uh, but, you know, time is an issue. And, of course, we need sleep at some point. Uh, so... When I ride my bicycle to school, I teach, you know, right down the street, basically. It's, you know, I don't know, a mile or something like that, a couple of miles from here. And I'm able to uh, to get it in while I'm on the bicycle. Sure. It's really neat. Morning prayer every day. And oh, we didn't, nice. we, the intention isn't to make prayer just one of the many tasks that you're multitasking, but rather that the prayer, you know, the, that then you're, the, what's the expression that your work is your prayer, that your life is, that, so that it's integrated into your life. So, so bicycling and praying, commuting and praying go together. Yeah, it does, yeah. it's not going, really it's not are. the same as going to your room and closing your yeah. door, but in some ways it is because it's the only time you have to yourself. Well, and that's the nuance of praying always, that you're praying yeah. even as you commute, or you're praying even as... Mm-hmm. And then you're yeah. taking that, psalm response with you into your work day yes, which you doing. wouldn't have done any yeah. otherwise yep. because you can't get up at five in the morning right. your, bicycle, <laughs> your bicycle ride Let's your commute is your instead. offering to god you are yeah. it is your prayer but i think it's important to say too that you do not have it doesn't have to be all or nothing so i don't think people should walk away with a sense of failure if they don't hit Every hour, oh, fully no. and completely, every day. That would be a nightmare if we created that feeling in people. But if they did just, like, the shortest one is probably night, night prayer. prayer. And, and to, you know, put it in your earphones if you're using, a, a you know, one of those apps. And if you drift off to sleep in the middle of it, how wonderful is that? Uh, enough to do one piece uh, somewhere in the day and get used to doing that. But we don't want to make people feel... Um, Guilted by yet another responsibility. Yeah, no. That's a good point, Denise. Well, one of the things that I really love about it is that uh, it, it really aids. And this is, I guess, coming from a from a teacher, right? You, you want to say something to a student and have them actually learn it and be able to tell you, you know, not only uh, what you told them, but to be able to think through it and to process it and to come up with new thoughts, combining what they've learned with something new. And I see the same thing happening with the app because. Uh, you know, we listen to the Psalms and we, we take those in, we learn, we're learning these Psalms. And I, I tell you, a lot of it is, is stemming from my time in Mexico, uh, praying the Liturgy of the Hours daily, um, where I just, uh, the, the Psalms have become part of my prayer, it's become part of my heart, my mind. I know these Psalms. I can't quote them all, 
but I have large sections of the Psalms memorized because I hear them all the time when I listen to the app. I've, I read them for years, and it's just so incredibly beautiful to take that, which happens kind of organically, and mm-hmm. to apply it in your day. You know, throughout yep. the day, if I'm yep. starting to pray in my own words, all of a sudden I notice that, well, that's, you know, this is from Psalm such and such, and this is Psalm 119, yeah. which I love. You know, and it's like all these things kind of come out, and it, it, it's, it's from the heart because the Psalms have sort of soaked in to my heart. And Jesus Absolutely. did exactly nice. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking yeah. that. Yeah, that's a how, good how point. How often yeah. did he, he pray uh, the Psalms? He, he prayed On the, the Psalms. cross, he prayed he, the Psalms. Um, yeah, the cross. Yeah, he spoke the Psalms in prayer and to express. And he's doing the same thing that you just described. I mean, often when Jesus speaks in the gospel, we'll hear the snippet of a psalm or we'll hear a couple of lines of it coming out. And if you don't know the psalms, you don't recognize it. But if you do, you think, oh, yeah, it's that's rich. happening in his life, too. The psalm. But you know yeah. what he's talking about at that yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who can't hear like one line of Psalm 51 and feel that you are not either in Friday or in Lent, <laughs> and you feel, you know, like, like it's time to, uh, you know, I'm aware of my failings. So these psalms do speak to us. In fact, the very heart of the Liturgy of the Hours, and it took me a long time to learn this, was the psalms. It was actually the thing that I treated with um, the least interest when we I began, and now it is the thing that I can't quite figure out how to get right. Um and that's why we're on this, we're embarking on this whole new quest to get it right. And it's going to be simple, traditional, psalm tones sung. It's really what they, they were sung in the Bible. We don't know, they weren't sung to our psalm tones, <laughs> but it's the best we have. Yeah, well, they're songs, certainly, yeah. and they're emotional. I mean, yeah. I think one powerful thing about the psalms is there's a high level, of, there's an elevated level of emotion in every one of them. We're sometimes criticized because we read them emotionally, but holy moly, I mean, they are powerfully They emotional. run the gamut of human yeah. emotion. They speak yeah. to everything in our lives. Usually it's the Psalms that will speak to you wherever you're at. Sometimes when we're recording and we'll, we'll get through a Psalm and we're all just stunned. It's like, I've never heard that like that before. Or, you know, the conversation that follows recording is always remarkable, too. Because in saying them out loud, we've heard them different than reading them mm-hmm. and hearing them, we heard them different than simply reading the text, too. You know what we didn't talk about at all when we said what's in the Liturgy of the Hours is we didn't talk about the Office of Readings, um, which is the first hour of the day. And it, it, it involves um, writings of the Fathers of the Church, the patristic writers, which uh, in most of our lives we don't really ever hear them or read them unless we take a course in them or something. And uh, other writers too, and they're in the, in the, in the second they're reading, Vatican Council readings. Um, those yeah. are all the those are the second yeah. readings, yeah. and the first reading is always an extended, a longer, a longer Old pericope, a longer uh, section of of some sort of scripture. Yeah, but um, I know. I mean, those are my favorite parts. Yeah, really, they're wonderful, kind of, because it's material that I don't that isn't as familiar to me. So available and yet and so yet, unknown. It's really a catechesis on you. You can learn the theology of the church. Yes, mm-hmm. just the listen liturgy. to the listen to the first <laughs> reading, then listen to how we've come to understand it in the second reading. And I tell you what, you've got everything. 
And it's every single day you can. And it elaborates on whatever season that you're in. So it really enhances it and enriches it so much. So you experience Advent and Christmas and Lent and Easter or even the ordinary time in a deeper, richer way. It's just, it's it's incredible. I'm envious. (laughs) I can tell you that. I'm (laughs) envious. You guys are doing fantastic work. It, it, it's, it was something that started out just as a uh, uh, kind of a small thing. You guys had no idea what it was going to turn into, and I am sitting back just amazed. You have my prayers. I, I, I love what you're doing. Um, I wish you guys all the best. And you, you, once again, if, uh, if the listeners want to learn more, they can always go to divineoffice.org. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. That's the easiest way. You can search on the web. For divine office, Dane's site will come up first. We will be all the right at the top. Um, that's the other little bit of magicry that uh, being associated with a technical firm. Um, the one thing I didn't mention is that I'm, you know, I I'm the CEO of SurgeWorks, and because of that, it allows me to bring out uh, my passions. This is this was not one in the beginning. But it, but it now, um, it now commands my life. So that's what I mean. Dane, anybody... has dedica- he has dedicated hours and hours. Oh my God. And hours full-time and hours work and hours. Uh, on top of his full-time job to produce that was the this wine show. bottle. Yeah, that was a wine <laughs> We always drink wine oh, during this. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, that's yeah. good. it's a Catholic thing. Yeah, it's, a, it's a foodie <laughs> thing too, right? Yeah, it's a foodie thing. Yeah. I think that the liturgy of the hours are completely food. Um, we we feast on the Word of God. Um, so it's a different kind of banquet, but clearly food. Absolutely. That's one of the themes that I like to talk about a lot. And then, of course, you know, throughout the Scriptures, we see heaven um, portrayed as a feast, as a banquet. And then, of course, the very end of the book of Revelation, it is the wedding feast of the Lamb. So uh, I'm excited. I'm kind of like practicing now, you know. That's the Catholic Catholic foodie. (laughs) Well, thank you for including us in your podcast. Thank you so much for being on the show. And, uh, you know, once again, it's divineoffice.org, or you can just Google it, and it's there. The podcast, of course, is on iTunes, and over on the website, you can can pick up the RSS feed if you use something other than iTunes to manage your podcast. Anyway, thank you guys so much, and um, our prayers are with you. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. And the community. Well, once again, I just want to thank Dane and uh, Chris and Greg and Denise for for joining me here on The Catholic Foodie. It was a, a, I just really enjoyed that conversation. I had a lot of fun. And I hope that it brings some um, inspiration to you, maybe some new knowledge, uh, maybe kind of, I don't know, uh, tugs at your heart to to try the the the, um, the liturgy of the hours if you've never done so before. And you know, I want to I want you to invite you to go over and check out divineoffice.org. Uh, fantastic stuff over there. You find information there about the podcast because it's available as a podcast as well as right there online on their website. And then of course the iPhone application. Now, I told you before the interview that I was going to have a new contest. I was going to announce a contest about, uh, you know, that, that would deal with the Liturgy of the Hours, and here it is. 
This is the contest. I have some codes to give away, some free codes for the iPhone application. And if I'm not mistaken, the iPhone application right now is selling for $14.99, which, by the way, is a huge deal. All right, that is a huge deal. It's well worth the $14.99, believe me. You know, the four-volume set of the Liturgy of the Hours uh, is $150. Bucks. <laughs> it's not cheap. Uh, if you got the, the Christian Prayer, which is a one-volume sort of uh, compilation of the Liturgy of the Hours, that's uh, about $35, 40 Alright, so you're getting the entire package uh, on your iPhone for $14.99. That is a great deal. And uh, let's see, I've got a couple of codes. I th- goodness gracious, I can't find them right this second. I think I've got two or three codes to give away. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite you to go over to catholicfoodie.com. And on the post for this show, I want I would like for you to uh, to comment. Tell me your thoughts about the interview. Tell me your thoughts about the work that this uh, that that these guys are doing. Uh, make a comment about uh, the liturgy of the hours. Is it something that you pray? Is it something that you desire to pray? Something you'd like to know more about? Uh, what about the iPhone app? Do you have the iPhone app? Uh, what do you think about it? Have you tried? The uh, Praying the Divine Office there on their website or via the podcast. Um, I'd like to know what your experience is about that. Uh, just leave comments, some kind of comment there about uh, this episode, and you will be entered into the drawing for these codes. Now, like I said, I think I've got three to give away. I've got to double check that, but I think I've got three to give away. So uh, just make a comment, leave a comment, make sure you have your name and your address, email address uh, there in the uh, in the comment box, and not in the actual comment itself, but just make sure that that's there when you fill out the form. I think you have to put that there anyway, but uh, so I can get in touch with you if you win. And we'll announce the winner's next episode, so you have about a week to comment on this, but don't wait. <laughs> Don't wait, right? The early bird gets the iPhone app. So uh, go over today, catholicfoodie.com, and this, this is going to be the direct address, catholicfoodie.com forward slash divine dash office, okay? That's going to be a dash there between divine and office. So catholicfoodie.com forward slash divine dash office. Go there, check it out, and comment, please. I'd like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I'd like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of a can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated. Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. Well, I'll tell you what we're going to have right now. We're going to have another helping of Mary in the Kitchen. Uh, so excited about this. Uh, Sarah Reinhardt and her segment, Mary in the Kitchen, she, she brings us just some wonderful stuff about Our Lady and the, the, the impact that Mary has on us in our own lives, in our daily lives, how she touches us in our daily lives, which is just such a gem for our faith, right? Part of the, the tradition of the Catholic Church. But it's not just a tradition that's kind of way out there, you know, old and faded and done with and in the past. 
No, this is something for us right here, right now. So, Sarah, I'm going to say this before we even start with the uh, Mary in the Kitchen. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is Sarah Reinhardt, and you're listening to The Catholic Foodie with Jeff Young and, if you're lucky, his wife, Char. And that was the wrong uh, file. (laughs) Here we go. Hi, I'm Junie. And I'm Ree. And And this this is Mary in the the Kitchen with Sarah (laughs) Reinhardt. I was recently looking at a list of Marian feasts for the second half of the year as I planned some column ideas. It's hard to believe how many there are. When I first started writing a weekly column on Mary's titles last year, I was anxious about running out of ideas, about having a title before me as an assignment and no meat or inspiration to go with it. That line of reasoning is indicative of a temptation I so often have to rely on my own strength instead of resting and trusting in God. I didn't need to worry about ideas, as it turned out. There has never been a shortage. The same is true for those other areas of my life where I start to worry or start trying to figure out how I can fix things, from finances to meal plans, from family feuds to parish drama, my worries are always wasted energy. That doesn't stop them from cropping up, though. In case you find yourself with a similar situation, I'll tell you what I do. I turn to Mary. I often have to stop maybe go brew a cup of hot tea, and have a seat at the kitchen table before I'm calm enough mentally to talk to her. I start with a Hail Mary, and sometimes that's as far as I get. And you know what? Mary knows. She's there beside me, rubbing my back and encouraging me. She knows how hard it is to trust God, but she also stands as the perfect example of why I should. This week, when you find yourself anxious or worried, reach out your hand for Mary's, and in her presence, rest assured that God hears you and holds you close. Thank you so much, Sarah, for that awesome message. And uh, I tell you, it's... I don't know if I could make it without Mary. Uh, I just don't know. She's the one, really, who taught me um, the reality, I guess, of the incarnation, that God is right here with me, that God touches me where I am, that he He is not uh, way up there, pie in the sky, far away, but that he's right here with me. And I'm, I'm just so thankful uh, to Mary for, for doing that for me, and I'm thankful for uh, for you that you uh, bring this message to us week after week. Thank you again, Sarah. And you can find more of Sarah Reinhardt at her website, her blog, snoringscholar.com. I don't really drink, you know. Of course you don't. I wouldn't either if I was drinking that. But you would have to be an idiot of elephantine proportions not to appreciate this 61 Chateau Latour. 
And you, Monsieur Linguini, are no idiot. <laughs> Let us toast your non-idiocy. Well, last episode, I, I talked to you about uh, the, the, the chicken that we had at, uh, at Grace's uh, reception party after her first communion. And a friend of mine, Chris Baglow, Dr. Chris Baglow, had prepared that, uh, that chicken. And he, he prepared it in a, uh, in a way I'd never had before. It was really interesting and good. It was delicious. It was uh, an Argentinian method of preparing uh, chicken, of grilling chicken. And it, it was called leapfrog chicken. Uh, it was very similar to spatchcocking, which I will talk to you about in just a moment. But he had this this really uh, citrus sort of marinade to it, uh, with a, with adobo and mojo uh, seasonings in there as well. Where he he had uh, uh, orange slices that had been marinating all night. He had stuffed it up in under the skin and everything else, and and grilled this bird. It was it was beautiful to look at. I mean, the the presentation was was gorgeous, and uh, it was juicy and. It was just delicious. It was very, very good. So uh, when he when he did that, that's what got me thinking about this whole series on cooking tips. And you know, I never, I have never uh, prepared a uh, a leapfrog chicken before, but I will soon. That that's for sure. Uh, but what I have done is something very similar, and it's called spatchcocking. I believe that I've talked about spatchcocking in the past. Basically, what you're doing is you're you're cutting the bird and laying it out flat. And I, I don't mean like cutting all the pieces off. I'm I'm talking about cutting it like kind of down the middle on one side and then laying it flat. So it's still one piece, but laying it flat. Let me see if I can describe that a little bit better. You know, typically when you take a chicken, a whole chicken, and you're going to put it on the grill, oftentimes you're going to use a a stand, a a vertical is a yeah a vertical roaster where you're you're placing the bird on top of it, and it's kind of like the bird is sitting up. On this roaster, and it cooks that way, and you have to make sure because you know, you know it. The, the heat is not really direct, although you may have direct heat right underneath the bird. But you think about it: the, the the entire bird is not on the grill. It's going from the 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 legs are touching the grill, and then the legs up, right? So that top part is not on the grill. It's it's the heat around the bird that is going to cook it. Which is why when you set a, a, a bird on the grill like that, you want to make sure the legs are spread out enough to where that heat goes up into the inner thigh area uh, because that basically it is kind of tucked away, right, between the body and uh, the leg and the thigh. And you want that meat to cook. You don't want it raw. So you need to spread the legs out a little bit, let the heat in. And then up at the top, same thing with the wings, right? The wings naturally will rest against the body. Well, the problem there, once again, is it's kind of closing off a space. And so in order to, um, in order to, to open that up so that the meat there under the wings will cook too, you, you, you have to kind of prop up those – you have to kind of prop them up, prop them back. You can kind of bend them back in such a way that they, they're, they're, they, the, the tips are – tucked behind uh kind of more toward the back of the bird and that keeps them open now i've also had friends i've seen friends uh take toothpicks or some other uh uh kind of fastener typically you can use small metal pins 
they work well because they're not going to burn up. If you use a toothpick, if I were you, I would uh, probably soak them first so they're all wet and, and wet all the way through. That way they're not going to catch fire. <laughs> but you can uh, you can sort of pierce those and tack them into the bird as well, and that'll, that'll keep the, the wings open for you. Well, spatchcocking goes a step further because the bird whole sitting on a vertical roaster is still going to take, you know, it could could take 45 minutes to an hour, depending on the heat of the grill, 45 minutes to an hour to cook. And what's wonderful about that is you get this just gorgeous, just delicious, crunchy, crispy skin. And and it's got a good uh, color to it. It, It's, it's dark brown. It's not really burnt because it's not sitting on the grill. Uh, It's just really well roasted, on uh you know on the grill <laughs> but it's it's well roasted crispy juicy uh, the, the, cooking a chicken that way one of the things i love about it is the bird always comes out very very juicy and and i love that about chicken i mean typically i don't really i don't like white meat a whole lot but when i when i prepare a bird like that or even in the in the oven you know roasting it in the oven same thing I, I I just know when to take it out so it doesn't overcook, and that white meat is just so tender and so juicy. I love that, and of course the skin. Mm, got gotta love the crispy skin. Well, uh, spatchcocking takes it a little bit further, and what what you do is you take a pair of of kitchen scissors. These are scissors that can cut through bone, and what you're basically doing is cutting the spine out of the bird. And that may sound gross if you're not used to being in the kitchen. But that's just what you do when you're handling meat. So you you take the scissors and starting at, at either end, the back, the, the bottom or the top of the bird, you just cut the spine out. And you cut it out and you take the bird and you you uh, you lay it flat. Now it's not going to lay flat. You're going to spread it out, kind of like spread eagle, right? You're going to kind of spread it out, but it's not going to lay flat because of the breastbone. So what you do is once you have it down on your, your cutting board or your work surface, you you lay it out as, as flat as it'll go, and then you press down in the middle on the breastbone, press down on it with your, the palm of your hand, and flatten it to the surface, and that should break the breastbone, and so it will, the chicken will lay flat. And then you go ahead and prepare the chicken the way you normally do. If you have a, a dry rub, if you marinate it, whatever you do with the chicken to prep it, go ahead and do it at that point. Uh, one of the things that I do, it's not necessary, but something that I do, once again, keep in mind that you want to make sure that you don't have any spaces where the meat is closed off from the heat, like right between the thighs and the body, or the leg and the thigh, or the wing and the and the body, right, the torso. And, and the, one of the ways that I have found to be very easy to do that is to skewer it. And, you know, you could use wooden skewers, which I've done in the past, but once again, if you're going to do it on the grill, you really want to make sure that those skewers are soaking in water, that they've been soaking in water for a good long while, and that they're saturated saturated through and through. And then still, when it's cooking, you're going to want to check it and make sure those skewers don't burn. I happen to have some metal skewers that we use for shish kebabs, and uh, I will use those to skewer the, the bird. And the way I do that is start on one end, let's say with the uh, with the leg, kind of up toward the, the top par- portion of the leg, 
and just stick it through there. Make sure it goes through the thigh and then through the uh, the meat there, The I guess it would be the lower breast area, all the way through, and then same thing with the other end. Now, it helps, too, if you kind of weave it in and out. In other words, I would weave it from, this, let's say, the uh, the top part of the leg, and that fat part, right, but on top of the bone, and then maybe under the bone, the thigh bone, right? So it's going, kind of weaving it up and down, and then same thing through the, the breastbone, or through the breast meat, if possible, and then on the other the, the other side with the, uh, the thigh and the leg. What that does is it creates a little bit more resistance, because what I'm going to do is take the legs and pull them out. What it does is it opens up, stretches and opens up the leg and the thigh and the body. So it, 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 it creates, it, it, it opens everything up so that it, everything will cook easily, uh, evenly. The bird will cook evenly. I do the same thing with the, uh, with the wings. Once again, each part of the wing, because you've got two sections, right? Two sections of the wing. You start with the outside, you kind of uh, weave it up and down, and you skewer the each part, each, the two parts of the wing, and then through the breast, and then the other side of the bird as well with the with the wing. Okay, and once again, pull out the wings, and uh, they should stay for you, and and that's it. And then the, the 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 beautiful thing about spatchcock and a chicken is it cuts down the cooking time. So you cut that down, uh, but you still get a juicy bird with crispy skin. Different way of doing it, but just shortening the cooking time, still ma- maintaining the, the really good results that you want, that juicy meat and that crispy skin. So that is what spatchcocking is all about. And I guess what I'll do is save the leapfrog chicken uh, for another time because that's taking leapfrog, that's taking spatchcocking another step further. So we'll talk about that in another episode. But if you Uh, have any grilling ideas, once again, any tips, anything that you do when you grill during the summer that you think everybody else could benefit from, let me know. Give me a call, 985-635-4974, or you can email me at catholicfoodie at gmail.com. And if you have any questions, comments about spatchcocking, let me know as well. Here's a way you can be creative on a daily basis. Well, how else in your life can you actually create new things every day? And you have to eat. This mm-hmm. is the thing we all agree on. If you're going to eat three times a day to the day that you die, why not be good at it? Well, that's it, folks, for the show. I hope that you enjoyed it. I really do hope that you enjoyed that interview with Dane and Chris and Greg and Denise. Um, I, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. We had a, a lot of fun. Uh, please do go visit divineoffice.org. Uh, also, make sure that you go over to catholicfoodie.com slash divine-office and uh, leave a comment there on the post. And uh, your name will be entered into the drawing for one of the codes that I have for the Divine Office iPhone app. So uh, go over there, make a comment, and I look forward to to talking with you there on the blog at catholicfoodie.com. And uh, once again, give me a call, 985-635-4974, if you have anything else that you would like to uh, uh, to, to share with uh, the listeners here at The Catholic Foodie. Responding to the call for a new evangelization. 
and Pope Benedict's directive to set sail on the digital sea. SQPN ventures forth to give a soul to the internet and to inspire others to do the same. The third annual Catholic New Media Celebration is coming to the Archdiocese of Boston on Saturday, August 7th. The Catholic New Media Celebration focuses on learning, fellowship, and inspiration. This year's keynote speakers are Father Robert Reed from Catholic TV and Lino Ruli, that Catholic guy from Sirius XM Radio and Lino at Large. Come learn from bloggers Thomas Peters, Sarah Reinhardt, and Rachel Balducci. We're even expecting Cardinal Sean O'Malley, a blogger himself. Share your best practices in the new media gallery or get your business or organization to be a sponsor. Book the date now, August 7th, at celebration.sqpn.com. Well, I certainly hope to see you at the CNMC. And until then, or at least until next week, (laughs) until next week, bon appétit. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.